Hey, I'm Natasha Jung from Cold Tea Collective, and we're sitting down with Japanese actor, writer, director, and filmmaker Mayumi Yoshida. She has written numerous plays, made five short films, and altogether has won over 20 awards worldwide. Mayumi recently received 2019's Newcomer Award at the Vancouver Woman in Film Festival's Spotlight Awards for her success in multiple fields. And get this, she won Best Film. Best screenplay and best performance in the Blood and Guts 48 Hour Horror Film Competition. You may, you may also recognize her as the Crown Princess in Amazon Prime Video's Emmy Award winning series, Man in the High Castle. Now, I gotta say, that's actually the first place I saw Mayumi, and since then, I've had the pleasure of getting to know her better in the Vancouver and LA、uh, film community. Mayumi, welcome to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. Oh, wow, thank you. <laughs> I know, I was just like, do not screw this up, do not screw this up. I stumbled a little bit, but that's You sounded、okay. so good. <laughs> well, you know what? I had to. So, my, my thing as a host is that I have to make sure that I, I hype up the, the people that we're interviewing、oh. or featuring as best we can because,、um, honestly, it, it's truly a pleasure to be. You know, sitting down with you,、um, getting to share your story a little bit more in depth because you know, I know how, how awesome you are, but I want others to know how awesome you are too. So, yeah, just thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thank you. It's an honor.、It's, I'm a fan, so、oh, this is exciting. We could go back and forth about our, our mutual、yeah. fan, fandom. The whole episode、other. is going to be that. <laughs> exactly. And I love your hair, I love your style, I love your、Thanks. essence. Like, <laughs> For those that aren't as familiar with you,、um, you know, as, aside from the, the accolades and, and some of your work, I want to just kind of go back to the beginning here a little bit.、Um, so, I, I mentioned a number of things that you do, but most notably, I, I think I know you for,、um, and perhaps maybe others would agree, is acting and, and filmmaking. But I want to understand like, what came first, and, and for you, what are you most focused on? What do you, most, what do you feel most connected to? I think I, I started off as an actor.、Um, I did a lot of theater back in Tokyo and then moved here to do more film and TV. And then self proclaiming that I'm an actor <laughs> for、What? years now. And then、uh, I think just three years ago, when Story Hive came up with the female director's edition digital shorts, that's when a lot of people tagged me on Facebook saying, like, they're looking for female directors. And I've only done, I'd only done theater directing. And then I got tagged in that and I was like, oh, and I was just in the middle of、uh, putting up the fringe play Neon, which is. The play version of Akashi, which was the short that I ended up pitching to Story Hive, and then we won. And so that's where, that was 2017. That's when my filmmaker career started. And、uh, what am I concentrating? I think just simply because I want to clock more hours, I'm, I'm working more as a filmmaker, I think, in the last couple of years. But it's weird how, like, when something pulls you another direction, that Other thing that you've been doing as an actor, it got so much busier. So,、huh. really cool how, like, okay, I'm gonna put a lot of effort and time into like writing and producing and learning more about filmmaking as a director. And then High Castle season four came, and then it's like, okay, we want you back with five episodes. And then Hello Ninja, which is like the Netflix、um, animation series. That gig came. It's like, whoa, I'm like busy as an actor, but like weirdly, <laughs> I want to do more directing.、Wow. So it's, yeah, it's interesting how like I want, I'm, I've been blessed with those opportunities, 
but my uh, my want to learn like um, filmmaking has been a lot stronger, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a uh, yeah. No, that is uh, really interesting how that how that kind of happens. But I guess certainly you know as you start to to do more work and you're you're putting positive vibes out there, I think the universe kind of not to sound too like you know airy fairy or anything mm -hmm. like that, but it comes back to you in, in different ways. And I think maybe it's one of those things too. Once again, also just guessing here, but no, you're because you're putting yourself out there with, with what you want to do, mm. opportunities are coming to you because your name is just out there more, I think, right? right. And so, but, and of course, like you have a portfolio that, you know, shows the work that you've done, but also the work that you can do. I just want to rewind a little bit because mm -hmm. in the beginning of, of um, kind of sharing a bit of your, your backstory there, you mentioned that you were self-proclaiming to be an actor. <laughs> yeah. um, and so for me, I'm, I'm, I'm curious why you, why you say why you say that specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a follow-up question for that as well, but well, why do you say that specifically, the words you know, self-proclaiming to be an actor? Because a lot of people think, and I did too, that like I'm not an actor until I book something or if I have a job, but you are an actor no matter what circumstance. If, even if you haven't had the training, if you are pursuing that art, then you are an actor. So even though I wasn't employed often, I was an actor, which is why I'm saying that like I was a self-proclaimed actor. I wasn't, uh, maybe not in my like accounting books, I wasn't an actor, <laughs> but in my heart, I was always an actor. If mm -hmm. that makes sense? No, it, it does, and it's it's. I mean, the the whole idea around like manifestation, mm -hmm. right, comes up, right? If you say that you are this thing, then you are this thing, or you say that you were doing this thing, or you want this thing, the universe will respond in whatever way it's yeah. like meant to, I guess, right? And whatever whatever you believe and such. But I mean, that's something I've also kind of like a theme or like uh, an idea that I've kind of come across where specifically in women of color. I would say when it comes to self-identifying in terms of a particular profession or, you know, categorization in terms of, of the work that they do, clearly, like, you have to be, be a confident person to be able to pursue a, a creative field, right? Mm -hmm. What have been some, I guess, early wins in your career that have helped give you that confidence to, to go after what you want? Oh, man. Um... Honestly, I'm one of those people that never won anything until I started making films. It's so crazy. I really, I think I, rem I remember saying when I won Grand Prize for Story Hive saying like, I, never, I really don't win anything. I really never do. And then we, later on that year, I won Outstanding Writer at NBC Short Film Festival out of like 4,000 films. But I still, I'm pretty sure on stage I said, I never win anything <laughs> because I really don't. <laughs> I never, like, even in, like, you know, like, track races or anything, I just never do. So, um, honestly, I didn't really have that confidence boost of, like, you can do this. But I think maybe it's my upbringing or, I don't know, I just have this wild optimism in life. I'm just kind of like, ah well, you know, we'll figure it out. Something will happen. And if you just keep believing it, it just, it totally sounds like, I don't know, like hippie, but <laughs> I just, I really believe in good in people. And I think trusting in that something good will come and happen. I don't know. I think that's where I, I get the confidence maybe that I do always try to surround myself on film sets, on anything you do. I, I want I make sure that I'm surrounded by people that I love, I respect my community. And then, and then I'm like in this, in a really good way, it's safe, but also I 
have people who are very talented that also inspires me and pushes me. That's sort of been, I guess, my confidence that like, even though I myself, I don't feel like I'm good enough or like I totally have imposter syndrome, but the people surrounding me are so great that I believe in them, that if they believe in me, then that means something. Mm. So that often, um, yeah, I think that empowers me quite a lot maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's, no, thank you for kind of, you know, indulging my curiosity around that because certainly I, I've, you know, experienced imposter syndrome like quite a bit as well, especially like when you're trying to do something new that maybe someone's never mm-hmm. done before or, you know, you're just not quite sure what the next step is. But sometimes I take a look back at like earlier, like at different parts of my career. I'm just like, well, I was so fearless back then, right? And mm-hmm. so... But um, your your optimism, um, I can definitely I can definitely see that. Just you know, having seen you in, in the Vancouver film industry, and even in your voice, you just you're just so you know so sounds so positive and just so <laughs> I don't know. That sounds really weird to say. No, I and I see it in your face. I know that those listening right now can't see your face, but I I, I can definitely just see it in your face. Oh, um, so you genuinely believe in people, and their belief in you is that's beautiful. It's kind of like a a circle of trust, in uh, a way. I mean, I don't know. I owe it to my parents. Like, uh, mm. it was interesting when I was, I was with this theater company quite a lot in Japan. I wasn't their member, but I would like guest star in their shows quite often. And then the director and the playwright, um, his name is Hideyuki Nishimori. Uh, he often would tell me that like. I can tell how how loved you were when you were like you were brought up, and I was like, really? And I was like, yeah. I can just tell how much your parents loved you, because like you just bring that energy to and like anywhere you go, I'm like, oh, weird. I don't feel like I don't know, because <laughs> it's just your life. You don't really know. You have nothing to compare. And then um, I read a quote. I think on Twitter, like it's like a Kurosawa bot kind of like Akira Kurosawa's. Uh, quotes in Japanese and one of the quotes was I always I think the question was like who are who are people you want to work with continuously in as your film crew and his answer was I want people who was loved in their life who's been raised by their family with love because then they know how to trust people they know how to build a community and like respect each other and give without you know, wanting anything back from them. And I was like, oh, I guess I kind of took that for granted. Like, I guess I did have, my parents are still together and I have two siblings and sure we fought and, you know, all that, but nothing to the extent of like, we're like never talking or like, we're just an ordinary family. But I guess, I guess there was a lot of love, even though many things happened, but still like, uh, yeah. So it was interesting to see, people comment on me that way and it's like oh now I I think I'm starting to appreciate what they meant and then understanding that like when I now that I'm crewing up people too I do see that I sometimes do see that like oh maybe this person is um, even if they're not as experienced they just bring this ginormous energy of love to this community in the set that like I want them there and then and then it, it does make a huge difference when you do that so does that answer your question? It totally <laughs> I always does. ramble. I'm so no, no, sorry. no. That's you know, you're so articulate and eloquent in, in telling that story. And, and obviously, like you have to be if you're going to be a writer as well, right? So, yeah. Tell me a little bit more about your upbringing. Then, like uh, you told us a little bit about your family, but um, I understand you grew up in in Tokyo. Is that? 
I, I grew up all over the place. My dad was a journalist, so we, like as a family, traveled quite a lot. I was born in Japan. From two to five, I was in Belgium. No, 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 in D.C., Washington, D.C. Then five to nine, I went back to Japan. And nine to 12, I was in Belgium, and I went to um, a British school there. And then 12 to 24, I was living in Tokyo the whole time. So majority of my life has been in Tokyo. Um, but uh, I think the experience... Um, in D.C., and especially Belgium, when we went to... It was an international school, so there were just so many different types of people in one school. Because everybody's, like, either they're, like, diplomats' kids or, like... like it, it was like it's a small world, the ride in a school. <laughs> so, like, we It's very see, visual. <laughs> yeah, everybody from every yeah. continent yeah. in class. And we're, we're studying... Um, like British history <laughs> because it was a British school but uh, I think I was earlier on I was very exposed to how we're all so different we look different sound different think differently different culture different religions so um, I definitely didn't have that uh, uh, caged look like I was kind of like Whatever I see in the world, that is how it is. And I had no judgment towards that because a really good example, I guess, is like my friend who is Muslim, she suddenly stopped eating. And I was, like, I was so worried. I was like, oh my God, are you okay? And she's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm fasting. I'm like, what? What does that mean? <laughs> she's just like, oh, it's just, we just don't eat right now. I was like, can I eat my snack in front of you? And she's like, yeah, 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 you can eat. And I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> How like, old were you at that point? Nine. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So I didn't think more than that. I just thought, oh, this is just this time of the year for her. That's just how it is. Yeah. There's mm. no, like, no, you should be eating. Why aren't you eating? Why mm. would you, you know? There's no judgment towards that. It's like, oh, okay. That's beautiful because I, around, especially when it comes to upbringing and, mm. and children, like, you know, growing up, they don't know what race is. They don't know what color is. They just, mm. they just hang out with whoever they, they find to be the most fun or whoever they have the most in common with, right? And so it's so beautiful when you can hear that, you know, as a child that, you know, you're just exposed to so many different cultures and ways of life and you know, different mm. perspectives and you just kind of accept that as truth. Yeah. Even though you might recognize that, oh, like, like that might not be what we do in my family or, mm. or you, you know what I mean? But Have you seen uh, Pen15? I, I regrettably have not yet. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And there's this episode, the only thing I did, I think, recognize was like very subtle racism, but I didn't even think it was racism at that time. But when I saw Pen15, I was like, oh yeah, it totally was. It was um, this episode where like the girls are casting themselves as Spice Girls. Mm. And then Maya Erskine's character is like, oh, I want to be, I think she wants to be like scary. No, no, she wanted to be posh. She wanted to be posh Spice. But then they're like, mm, no, you're like scary Spice because then like you're not white kind of thing. So oh. I was like, oh, I totally, they always, they as in like a lot of my close friends, without them even really knowing, I would be like, I want to be Mel C, I want to be Sporty Spice. I'm like, no, but you're more like, because your hair is black, you're like Posh Spice. I'm like, oh, but I don't like, sorry, Victoria, I don't like Posh Spice. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Mel C so much mm -hmm. when I was a kid. So, uh, yeah, it was, there was some stuff like that that made me feel like, oh, maybe I'm not pretty enough, maybe I'm not good enough, maybe I'm not skinny enough. Like, those things definitely were there, but towards other people, I didn't really have that mm -hmm. lens. 
Mm -hmm. yeah. It's so interesting because, like, uh, you know, especially in our generation, like, chances are you might have been a Spice Girl at some point, right? Yeah. In your group of friends. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting how you said you defaulted to, like, oh, am I not pretty enough? Am I not skinny enough? And never, like, as a child, is it is it because I'm not the same? Like, what is race, right? It just yeah, kind of comes, totally. comes down to that. And that's kind of, like, a learned thing depending on maybe your upbringing or where you grew up. But mm -hmm. certainly, you know, having growing up, you know, it, it sounds like for you in a very you know, multicultural, um, you know, multinational um, environment that wasn't really in your purview. Perhaps you didn't yeah. understand what that I think in the last four or five years is when I real well actually well maybe since I started acting in Vancouver I felt I realized that oh I am in that that quote unquote category because I just I didn't I felt more like I'm just one of one of the many global citizens I'm just like it's not I'm not this one thing and then uh, casting or auditioning naturally would kind of like for me into that mm. and I was like oh I didn't notice that I am that and then um, but now it's weird because now it's kind of like trying to break that <laughs> yeah and how, yeah. Do, how do you break that I think everybody's different but how I'm trying to find uh, or define myself I guess is just like trusting my uniqueness and uh, I think a lot of times when you're like put into a box or like a category you feel like you're bundled up in that and then feeling like you're just like in all of these people when everybody, each person is very, very different. We all come from different time period or like grew up in a very different way, different family structure. Like all these things make you very, very unique. And um, I'm just in the middle of finding that myself as I'm writing a feature and, and starring in other things too. I'm really realizing like, what is my value? Where does that come from? If you keep searching for that answer, like I, I think both of us were lucky that we're in a place where we can question. We have the luxury to question that to ourselves. Mm -hmm. A lot of people can't because they don't have that time or like that's not part of their job. Like it's, they have other things to do and think about. And I'm very privileged to be in a place that that is part of my job, like questioning myself and what is my identity. Like that question is part of what my script is about. So it's, it's my job to do that. So that sort of helped me sort of uh, break that mold, I guess. See, I did it again. I rambled again. No, 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 it's good. It's free flow of thought, right? And so I'm glad to, to know that you're comfortable enough to just kind of to go with um, wherever, wherever your heart leads you. I think these days, I mean, especially like for Cold Tea Collective, we, we talk to people specifically like, oh, tell us about your Korean-American heritage. Tell us about your, mm. you know, Chinese-Canadian heritage or whatever it might be. I guess like for you, like I remember pretty distinctly um, one of the first times or like first few times that we had chatted, uh, you said to me that, you know, I was like, oh, are you Japanese-Canadian? Like, how should I introduce you or something like that? And he's like, no, I, I'm not even Canadian. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I think <laughs> I think for us, like, I think for me, like, I just assume, like, you know, another, like, an accent from, from anywhere else mm -hmm. kind of thing that, that may be, like, distinctly, like, Canadian or, like, British or Australian or anything like that. So right, right. Um, I think, especially in our space, we tend to immediately try to categorize people. And, and I, I know that I certainly do that. I think for me, like, the argument is that for us, we'd like to try to be specific about that just because mm -hmm. we want people to 
be able to quickly be like, she's Japanese or Korean or or Chinese or, or whatever it might be. And it gives an opportunity, an immediate thing for people to connect to. Mm-hmm. But that being said, there is certainly, there certainly can be some challenges or, or dangers about quickly categorizing people in that way just mm-hmm. based on their ethnicity. Um, There's so that, strength too, though. There can be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, There can be, absolutely. So specifically for you, I know you've worked on a couple of pieces, you know, specifically touching upon Japanese culture. You even, you know, mm-hmm. did a bit of a guerrilla film like in Tokyo, yeah. uh, Tokyo Lovers, an award-winning film. Why is it important for you to tell stories of Japanese culture and heritage? Why is it important? I think it's just... Uh, things that come to my mind is that I don't know. <laughs> um, I feel like it's uh, like a lot of people say, write what you know, and um, I think that's where it is coming from. And it's oftentimes, even from listening to my uh, Japanese friends watching the film, sometimes they would say that um, that's very interesting. That's not how like some Japanese people would feel. So I'm even in the in between of that, like mm. not fully Japanese. Who's lived in Japan their entire life, but also not like Japanese Canadian or I consider myself like Japanese Canadian first generation now because I've lived here for a while and maybe have a family here. So yeah, I feel like I'm like uh, blended in both, but not kind of in yeah, always in the in betweens. I think. Mm-hmm. And whenever I watched films, I never really felt like oh well, my where do I fit in or like if my story was a story like how what would it be and like those things I never really got to see that so I think that's what I'm exploring more to see like who are people that might resonate just like me because of the background that I've had and then meeting people um, in different countries I've realized that there are a lot of people who's uh, had a similar background to me who's like just moved around their entire life and felt like there is no root they don't identify as like either of their countries that they've lived in or just simply like just seeing their face on screen in general. So mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, I think that's why I write stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's definitely, um, especially when you, you are writing about what you know, there's a level of truth uh, to it that mm-hmm. you, just, you just can't make up, right? When it comes to, for example, like your, um, your film Tokyo Lovers actually filming in Japan, mm-hmm. tell us about the experience of actually you know, making that happen. Um, were you planning mostly in Vancouver first and then heading on over no. there? To, to oh my gosh, Natasha, it was so stressful. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, but I think it was, um, it was one of those things where like we, me and you know Jerome, um, mm-hmm. our Jerome great you. friend Jerome Yu, who's now also a filmmaker, he was in Korea at that time when me and uh, co-writer and co-director Natch, when we were going to Japan together, so we're like, oh, let's hang out. And that's, what, that's where it started. And it's like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we shot something? And then um, our dear friends, Y and Phil, who are both filmmakers. Y's a DP, Phil's a producer, and he produced Akashi as well. And they were like, well, why don't we, like, wouldn't it be crazy if we brought our camera and, like, we shot something there? And we're like, what? Seriously? And it's like, yeah, when's the date? It's like, okay, well, I think we can go. And then it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's happening. So um, I think that was like over brunch in Vancouver. And then everything was like, okay, well, I'll book the Airbnb because 
um, I basically acted as a production manager as well as an actor and writer and director because I'm the only local there. Right, so, so you kind of have that, uh, that special knowledge, right? Yes, Insider knowledge. Yes, I was cursed. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> you had to make it happen. Yes, which I, I was, it was great because um, they're all, like, they're hilarious. They're just so fun to travel with. So it's awesome, but they're all, all, all boys. So, <laughs> like, telling them to, like, okay, we're not going to stop at another ramen place. So, like, oh, okay, we got there's so many on. of them. There's so many, and we all want to eat. We all want to, yeah. like, have, we, so we made sure, like, we had some vacation time in between. Oh, good. But um, but also, like, I think I was the only one thinking about, like, okay, but the train leaves and, like, this is this. And, like, and then we have to transfer to this bus and then we get to go to this and then to hop on the train and again. And, you know, all these, like, mm-hmm. location scouting were, like, mm-hmm. all in my brain. Mm-hmm. So um, I think in that sense it was really stressful to just sort of manage everything. But when we got into the edit suite and uh, we saw everything... And when we got to finish the film, it was like, man, that was so fun. <laughs> because we honestly weren't, um, we weren't expecting anything. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, my motto is, like, just don't do anything that nobody's going to watch. You always, <laughs> always... That's a good one. I always, yeah. always, always, whenever yeah. I'm making something, I have to think about, like, okay, who am I making this for? Mm-hmm. Who is someone I want uh, I want someone to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. So um, it's aimed at someone. Mm-hmm. I never want to make something that, like, it's all just whatever. We just made hot time and, you know, we just mm-hmm. whipped it out. That's nice. But at the same time, like, I'm always thinking about, like, yeah, but it needs to mean something or it needs to matter to someone, mm-hmm. not just us. Mm-hmm. Because then it's just like, 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 excuse my word, but it's kind of like a jerk off movie. And I hate those movies. <laughs> I absolutely hate those movies. We're just like, we just wanted to make sure like we could act in it. And, the, and I'm like, yeah, but like, good for you. But at the same time, like, if it's going to travel or if you're going to take it to places, mm-hmm. like, it needs to be bigger than that. So how do you... Um how do you make sure that that happens? Like, do you do you talk to people in advance? Um, I know that's I know you do a lot of pitching and stuff too. Mm-hmm. But um, how how do you make sure that it would be relevant or, or matter to, to folks outside of perhaps your immediate circle? Um, I mean, it, it comes down. I just work on the story a lot and think mm-hmm. about the core theme and what is mm-hmm. the theme? Like, what is the the message I want to tell? in the story. Mm-hmm. And if it's not in the story, then most likely it won't really appear on screen mm-hmm. unless you have phenomenal actors and you just put actors in there. But then I just... <laughs> Even then you still need <laughs> a story, like, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I just watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was a, it was a fun movie. It was so great. But for me, the majority of the time I was enjoying it because it was Brad Pitt and DiCaprio just going off each other and the mm-hmm. chemistry was amazing and mm-hmm. dialogue flowed and like their acting's amazing. Um, but story, I don't know. Was it really, what, what was it about? Well, maybe I'm, I didn't look hard enough. Maybe I should read more articles to find out more of the deeper meetings that Tarantino wanted to put in there. But like, uh, I just, it didn't, I, I, I want to always have... Um, someone in mind who like especially for like Tokyo lovers I was thinking about it's a love letter to single people in Tokyo at Christmas time mm-hmm. because it's so it's so brutal 
in Japan, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially around Christmas if you're single. They just treat you as if you're like, you've like lost purpose in life. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, if you don't have anyone to、yeah. spend and you're an adult and like,、uh, it's like, you're okay, well, you're a loser. And it's like, no, like they shouldn't, they, people shouldn't feel that way because、mm-hmm. they don't have a significant other. Like,、mm-hmm. there's more to life than that.、Mm-hmm. And、um, it's sort of like this weird measurement that they have there. And so I wanted to, I know. Two of my best friends are、um, single in Tokyo, and they always felt that way. And like my first boyfriend that I made when I was 16 was because of that reason. Like I felt like pressured by my friends in high school that, like,、mm. oh, well, you gotta have a boyfriend at Christmas time.、Mm. Like, oh, well, okay. It's、I、called gotta... cuffing season, <laughs> is what they call it. Oh, really? Yeah. Because <laughs> you get. Cuffed up、oh, with someone.、Yeah. It's so awful. <laughs> it's like it shouldn't. And then what I loved about、uh, North America, or like, or like living in Belgium too, Christmas meant so much more.、Mm. Like it's not just about, about like family and friends. Yeah, and, it's not about、mm. giving Louis Vuitton, you know, wallets to each other and like buying rings and,、yeah. you know, and I just felt like、mm. um, I was totally one of those people. And.、Mm. Now, looking from the other side, I'm like, oh, that was awful. I, don't, I didn't、mm-hmm. like that at all.、Mm-hmm. So, I just wanted to, like, and there's a lot of movies that make s them feel that way still. Okay,、and、yeah. I, so, I it's, just, it's the message that's constantly perpetuated in, in film and, and, and、totally. TV.、They're, okay. Yeah. Kind of like the equivalent of like, the Hallmark Christmas movies where like, there's just. It's, yes. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I don't, I just wanted to, like, so that was specifically for like, those. Friends of mine, I, kn- I knew I wanted to make something for them,、mm-hmm. that dedicated to them, that like、mm-hmm. they're not losers. They're、mm-hmm. like, I, I, I cheer for them, and、mm-hmm. like they're, they're going through their own things that like people don't understand.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, so I think, I don't know, I, I think about specific people when I'm writing for sure. I'm like, who, who is this to? And who,、mm-hmm. who do I want them to? I think I read something. The director of Shoplifters, his name's Koreeda、um, Hirokazu, he also mentioned something about that too. And I was like, yes, I feel exactly the same way. He thinks of someone very specific that he wants to show this film to, and he makes sure that it does justice for that very like, one person.、Mm-hmm. And, it's, um, it, and you, most times, those, that person has nothing to do with the movie or the characters.、Uh, but very, like, I think. For shoplifters, he did some research by going to、um, like、adoption agencies or an orphanage or something. And then he met this little girl who sort of became the model for the little girl in the、mm-hmm. film.、Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that like, he thought of her the whole time when he was making、oh, the movie.、Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that actually like, anchors myself in the story as well.、Mm-hmm. Like, where, okay, well, I need to go back to. The theme, I need to go back to the, the most important thing of the movie.、Mm-hmm. And that's,、uh, it always anchors because it grounds the story and then、mm-hmm. asks the fundamental question so we don't get、um, blurred by all the other things. Because there's a lot、mm-hmm. of decision making、oh, yeah. in post production. And then、mm-hmm. you start to get blurred and say, what was this film about? What was it about? I don't know. Because you're, <laughs> you're just trying to like, get it done or like,、yeah. you know, looking at the picture quality or、yes. sound quality or whatever it might be. But... Um, I mean, I think, I think the same thing kind of applies, and you know, even if you're not in the film or entertainment industry, too, because I mean, you know, there's, there's people that are working in jobs day in and day out, and it's just sometimes you kind of get so used to that and complacent.、Mm. It's just 
why am I here again? Like, what's what's the point, right? Yeah. Um, and I think you know when I when I see a good film or listen to an amazing song that makes me stop and think about like what's my actual purpose and what I'm trying to achieve there. Yeah, it's a it's a really um, unexpected but usually welcome kind of awakening, mm. right? Yeah, I yeah, think so too. yeah. Um, so, Man in the High Castle, um, mm. the final season. Oh my gosh, yeah. ah, so sad. Yeah. Um, but just very very. Um, yeah, that, that show is just incredible. So for those of you that um, that are listening that have not seen Man in the High Castle, um, maybe Mayumi can give us a little bit of a description of the show and your role on oh it. Oh my gosh, I hate doing that because it's such a grand story. Oh gosh, <laughs> like it's such an epic tale. It really is. Um, the, the big premise is that uh, it's an alternate universe world where um, World War II ended completely opposite from our world. So the, the Nazis and the Japanese Empire won. And then the United States is split into three territories. There's the East Coast is governed by the, the Nazis. I can't, I can't explain this, but it's, it's the Reich. And then yeah. <laughs> um, the San Francisco like West Coast side is governed by the Japanese Empire, which is called the Japanese Pacific States. And then the middle part around Colorado is um, the neutral zone. So there's very there's a lot of characters kind of spread all over the map in the states, um, trying to find freedom. Because Juliana Crane, who's the main character, discovers this film that shows the alternate universe in their world, which is the film is actually showing our world. Yeah, so, our current like real life yes, world. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So they see. The U.S. winning the war, and then um, Japan being defeated, and then so she sees that, and she's like, "Oh my God, we have to find answers if that's the world that that's the world we want to live in, and that might be the answer to change this current world." Mm-hmm. So that's where the story starts, and mm-hmm. it's a huge epic tale with like many, many different characters. Many, yeah, yeah. very, yeah. very interesting. Very, um, there's a lot of depth to. To mm-hmm. the characters I found, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a huge sci-fi series. By originally by Philip K. Dick, he wrote a book called *The Man in the High Castle*, and then uh, his daughter Issa is uh, Issa Dick Hackett is our executive producer with David Zucker and Ridley Scott, and um, just stacked, <laughs> just <laughs> really cool. Um, yeah, and then I played the Crown Princess of Japan. Who is the crown princess of Japan? Yeah. <laughs> no said. It's pretty so Yeah, yeah it's pretty road. straightforward. Yeah. Um, your role in, in playing the crown princess, um, you get to do some really interesting things. Mm. Try not to give too much away, but your role as a crown princess, you know, sometimes you think of like royalty, right? They might mm. some, sometimes just be a figurehead, but your character actually gets to be a little bit more hands-on. Yeah, in season four, it totally is still taboo, but she kind of steps into this role because a certain tragedy happens at the beginning of the season. She's super badass in season four and (laughs) gets to, like, talk to these generals and sort of, she doesn't order them, but um, she definitely uh, shows her power to them Mm. and um, kind of talking in behalf of the role the royal family, mm-hmm. which is really unheard of. And for a woman to do that, it's certainly unheard of. But I think because it was an alternate universe, we got to sort of push that boundary mm-hmm. and allow ourselves that creative freedom to like have a woman uh, being in those rooms mm-hmm. and um, talking 
to those generals and making big moves. And mm-hmm. also, that's not just my character, but with like Helen Smith and Bill Mallory, Julianne Crane. There's this season really is like so many powerhouse women mm-hmm. make a huge shift in the series, which is really really exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you saw, but uh, Finland just elected their very first female and youngest prime minister. She is 34 years old. Oh, my gosh. Um, Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, In what ways do you think, you know, the role of perhaps the crown princess in Men in the High Castle may reflect, you know, the the role of of leading women in terms of, like, not necessarily politics, but just leading Mm. women in in our world, like, our reality? How do you think that might, you know, what do you take from that character and that experience in this show, and how do you think we can apply that to perhaps the world of filmmaking or... The, just oh kind man, of, you know, what a big question. Life. I know, I know. I just, I had, I'm like so curious, especially with, you know, there's not every day you get to talk to royalty. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my gosh. No. Um, I think that uh, the thing about how, what I enjoyed most about playing her was that um, no matter what room she walked into, um, because of the nature of where she comes from, um, there's always respect towards her. But uh, she never used that in a way to manipulate people, um, which I think was a very uh, smart move of her. Like she, and, but she always was thinking about the greater good. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a very complex time, too, because all these, the Army and the Navy, they're all working and making these moves, and people also dying in the war, is, it's because... Their, their higher cause is for the royal family. So I think they were in a place where like, it's a really hard decision for them to make any political decision because ultimately they're doing it for them. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> do I, I, I don't think I'll ever be in a position where I would be in the same position as them. I really hope not. That's awful. <laughs> it's just so much pressure. I can't imagine how Meghan Markle's feeling. Like, I oh, can't, yeah. I, oh, my goodness. It is like, oh, my <laughs> gosh, the amount of pressure um, from the inside and outside, like it's, mm-hmm. and that you put on yourself as well. Mm-hmm. It's ginormous. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the beauty is that, that she, and even the, the queen herself, like Queen Elizabeth, you don't see that. You never see that ever. You never see their struggle. You never see their personal feelings mm-hmm. and opinions ever. And I think that's um, beautiful. That she, but, well, okay, so she's she's that. But then in the other characters in the series, you see how they are so uh, vocal. Like Belle Mallory's character is like she's she's strong and she's like leading the Black Communist rebellion. And um, there's different types of leadership and different types of asserting power that women can do. And I feel like Crown Prince is in the part where it's a quiet rebellion and she's sort of internally changing people's minds without being seen. Um, and probably in real life, people will never know about if anybody did anything like that. And I think she's okay with that. But then there are people, I think in the modern days, I think someone like um, Belle Mallory, who's uh, portrayed beautifully by Frances Turner, she is this voice of freedom and everybody listens to her on the radio and she goes on television to show herself. All that stuff is like super powerful to see and I think by seeing many different ways of how women uh, can lead the world, 
that gives a dynamic of like, oh, there's, it's not just this one type. Mm-hmm. It's not this one right way of doing it. There's many mm-hmm. different ways of governing or changing the world. And I think because it's, it's still an, an, a new movement or something that we're seeing, I think we need to be accepting like different shapes and forms of leadership and mm-hmm. allowing that to, and allowing mistakes as well. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of... Uh, especially for women and maybe person of color too, we try to be perfectionists and like, it must be this and I need to be, I need to learn all this before I can tell myself that I am this. Mm -hmm. Kind of going back to what we were talking about before um, the confidence thing, I used to think that, I mean, sometimes I still think that, but am I trained enough to call myself this? Uh, Do I have enough experience to Mm -hmm. take ownership of that and Mm -hmm. say that I am that? But then I go to other film festivals or like meet people and like, oh, like this, this dude's only done like two things and like they're like, oh, next feature. I'm like, oh, why am I feeling so apologetic or like, why am I feeling like I'm not doing enough? Meanwhile, this other person who's, who doesn't look like me at all is like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'll it. take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give yeah, me yeah. the accolades and I'll just like take it and run with it, right? And just, yeah. Uh, we need to learn how to do that too. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, but it's like, we're, we're all so complex, so it's not just one way, but um, mm-hmm. I hope the show shows that uh, there's different types of women and how powerful they can be. And I hope mm-hmm. Crown Princess can be one of those people who inspires women to feel like they don't have to back down even in a very high pressured moment. Mm-hmm. If they have that belief, they have the belief in greater good. You need to fight for that. And fighting isn't always about combat. Mm-hmm. Fighting is sometimes about just listening. Mm-hmm. So, again, I talked so much. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's one of those things where it's um, it, like, I'm just listening, nodding and smiling because it's just, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And just the way that you draw those parallels between the different, you know, strong female characters in the the show it just it kind of remi- made me reflect on kind of you know the strong female leaders in my own life that I've come across and mm. you know certainly um, I've I've also you know experienced imposter syndrome as well it's one of those things where I like even before Cold Tea Collective like I worked in television as a as a producer and host for like three years mm. um, but then before that even though I was like producing creative projects on my own I never really thought that I could call myself a producer or host until someone paid me to do it or someone yeah, else told me. It's so insane. And it's, but, but you're right. And like, and then at the end, I was, and I decided to move on from that mm. just to focus more on Cold Tea Collective. And I thought to myself, you know what? I don't need anyone to tell me that I am this because I am doing it. Yes. I am doing it yes. and I believe in that. And so thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, to your point about, you know, striving for perfection, I think, you know, it's one of those things where I, I also have to check my, my biases as well. And, you know, putting together the questions for um, for the, for this particular interview as well, I, I also had to kind of check in, in to make sure I'm like, am I going to, am I asking the right questions to really communicate how awesome, you know, you are and the work that you, you've oh done? <laughs> yeah, because it's, you know, it's one of those things where like, I, I very specifically, you know, I take a look at the, the podcasts that we've done in the, in the last year and I'm just... I need to like chat with more like, you know, woman. Um, and it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, like, I mean, I know that I myself am a woman, but certainly, you know, not to say like any speak poorly of, you know, the, the others that I've, of course, I've, I've interviewed previously, mm-hmm. but I think there's just a different type of conversation um, women and specifically women of color in the creative industry can have mm-hmm. when it comes to 
um, you know, our professional development or like our, our personal or life goals. And so I'm really appreciative of how open and, and um, thoughtful you are being your responses. So never oh, apologize yeah. for, you know, speaking a little bit longer than maybe you think you should because, <laughs> because I guarantee... I just want to make sure I'm making sense. <laughs> no, you totally are. I, I loved how you, you kind of wrapped it back up about how it, you know, of course it, you know, reapplies to men in the high castle to you. So just brilliantly, <laughs> beautifully beautifully said oh, there um, a couple like fun questions here too so yeah. um, we talked a lot about the crown princess but I want to know like how many or in what ways do you think you are similar to your character the crown princess or maybe even different <laughs> I strive to be uh, the person who challenges others as well and um, try to look at the greater good rather than one specific goal that profits myself. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's something that I do share with Crown Princess, that like I'm always sort of looking at the big picture uh, when it comes to doing anything. Yeah, maybe that. Uh, I think there's a certain... Mm, I, I, I also, another thing I strive for is I try to bring grace in what I do um, even if it's dirty or, uh, like, whatever thing I'm doing that is, like, so ground up, it doesn't matter. Like, I try to have... I love being a woman. I used to hate it. I used to really hate being a woman because I felt what, like... Why? Because I felt like um, I can't have certain conversations with women or, like, I felt like I was less than than men or, like, opportunities or... I just felt like, oh, maybe I wanted to be more like a man. And then... I think in recent years, I've acknowledged how like how powerful it is to be a woman, and how I actually like I love wearing dresses, and I love wearing makeup, and I love doing my nails. It just makes me feel so great. And I like I feel like before I I would feel a little bit ashamed of that. I feel like oh like I'm being like too girly or whatever. But now I'm like no, I want to be fabulous. Yes. What and is you so sure wrong are. with being yeah. fabulous? <laughs> what is wrong with that? And so, like, anytime, even if it's like a, I don't know, like a meeting with pe with people that I know it's gonna be like group of men. I think like maybe 10, 15 years ago, I would have tried to dress more masculine to try to fit in, to feel like I belong in there. And now I'm like, I want to wear like the nicest dress. I'm going to look so good. I'm going to mm -hmm. walk in there. And I think someone like Mindy really inspired me to just yes, be like, Mindy just dress it. whatever you want yes. and just love your body, love, love whatever you do as a woman and then make that choice unapologetically because it's... Mm -hmm. Why, why should we feel like, you know, I love rom-com. Like, it's yeah, not... Yeah, there's something wrong I, with that. No, but a lot of people still have that, oh, but it's rom-com. And sure, not every rom-com is great, but it's, but it's like, it's rom-com. Like, but also, <laughs> not every action film is great either, Exactly, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter. But I think mm -hmm. that sort of... Um, and even when we were picking out wardrobes for Crown Princess, I was like, oh, I think she would love those shoes. I think that was me talking as well. <laughs> well, uh, you basically are her. You yes, know? But, you know, just exactly. Projecting. So it's like, no, I think we need a hat. And then we would add a hat. And I was like, yeah, this is great. Let's put a little fur here. And then we, we really had fun in the wardrobe department oh, with Kate. And, like, yeah, the, the, that department is phenomenal. And that show, honestly, if you love fashion, is eye candy. Oh, because, my goodness. Because mm -hmm. oh, all 
the tailored dresses. It's so beautiful. Yes. But I think um, I think she knows how to. And every I think uh, royal. I was looking at you know many pictures of like Crown Princess Michiko. She's renounced the crown. She is not Empress Michiko anymore. Mm-hmm. We have a new Empress now. Yes. Just from like literally like last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was like a fashion icon. Like back in the 60s and 50s, and she wore these like, and she always was, even st- still, like wherever she goes, we're all like, oh my god, like this beautiful gown, and but always very graceful and classy, mm-hmm. and I think that sort of form and the shape that she brings, with effortlessly she carries that, and I really admired that about her because um, that was another way of sort of showing her power, that. Uh, Every detail, whatever she puts on, there's choice and there's thought behind it. Mm-hmm. And I really respect that about fashion. I think mm-hmm. there's, there, it's really fun and also there's a delicacy in there and that like I really wanted to put into my character as well with Crown Princess, which we really got to explore with, which was really fun. So I guess, I don't know, I can't, I think, I think there's... So many more, but I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. apparently yourself and the Crown Princess have the same sense in fashion. Or like, <laughs> similar yes. taste. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and and you are impeccably dressed today, too, if I, if oh, I might so say. Nice. Yes. Yeah, so just a, a couple more um, like fun questions just to mm-hmm. wrap up before we ask our like a few closing questions. So I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions that I just want you Ooh, to okay. answer the first thing that comes to your head. You can explain it if you want. If not, no problem as well. Cool. So first question, would you rather read a book or watch a film? Watch a film. Duh. I just had to check in with that <laughs> one there. <laughs> Person in the world that you were most inspired by? My dad. If you could have superpowers, what would they be? Uh, to travel from one door to another door. And what advice would you give to your 16-year-old self? Um, <laughs> I just, I think I already mentioned it, but don't, don't rush to get a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Your favorite place in the world? Oh. Next to my dog and my boyfriend. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Wherever that may be, right? Um, and of course, so what are you working on next? What can we look forward to? Um, I'm in development for my feature film, Akashi, which is uh, the feature version of the short film, Akashi. And um, yeah, anyone who wants to invest, call me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, our short in loving memory that we just wrapped up is going to be premiering at a Vancouver Film Festival that I ha- they haven't announced it, so I can't say yet. But we'll have a hometown screening uh, in 2020, which will be great. Okay, yeah, excellent. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye out for that. Thanks. Um, and if we wanted to find, perhaps, I know that Tokyo Lovers is now uh, online. Yes. So if we wanted to find that, how can we find that? Uh, it's on Vimeo, Tokyo Lovers. And um, also some other, some other films that I did is on my... Mayumi Yoshida Vimeo page. Uh, so yeah, you can find them all there. Excellent. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time and okay. sharing your pearls of wisdom, Mayumi Yoshida, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>